bringing Seattle to the world and the world to Seattle. I'm your host, Lori Ness, a soldier on the front line of the mainstream. You can listen to this and other shows at northwestprime.com and be sure to stay with Seattle Wave Radio 24-7, 365 for more great music and interviews. We're starting a movement of kindness and we want you to join us. Let's get this show started. Well, you know, stay with Seattle Wave Radio if you can. We're about being blown off the map here in Seattle this week. Things are just crazy, but it doesn't stop the show from going on, and I am thrilled to have Catherine McGindy with us today. She is a best-selling author, living, writing, and living life in the Smoky Mountains of North Carolina. I read her first book, Tender Graces, and I had to get to know the woman who penned into life Virginia Kate. And thank you for coming on, Catherine. I really, it's really a thrill for me. Ah, uh, well, thank you. I'm feeling uh, right privileged. So, <laughs> <laughs> now, um, Tender Graces was it your first published book? Sure was. It was my very first love. That that one was my heart in a book. So I was very happy when uh, Bell Books and Bell Bridge Books took that on. So. I love Virginia Kate. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How, how long had you been carrying her around, her untold story, in, uh, you in know, your mind? She she came about when I still when I was living in Louisiana, uh, and it's really weird because I wrote part of that story was her having all this angst about moving away from what she know, knew in Louisiana back to her roots in West Virginia, and how she couldn't decide what to do and blah, blah, and all this. And I did the same thing. So it was kind of I wrote my own destiny. But Virginia Kate grew out of this tiny little short story when I was in this writer's group back, you know, I can't remember how many years it's been, 11, 12, I don't know. And a friend of mine, Angie Ledbetter, said, uh, if you don't make this your novel, you are crazy. And she kept poking at me until I finally did it. And it just uh, it blew out of me. It That book had to be written it just i've never had something vomit out so fast as it did with Mm -hmm. with tender graces Mm -hmm. it's a it's a beautiful beautiful story and now it's it's a trilogy so there's two more books family graces and then secret graces i've only i'm I'm only on book two now but uh you left the, the the first book in a really good spot, I thought. Was it easy to move on to the second book, or or did you feel like there was still a lot more to be told? You know, when I wrote Tender Graces, it, the first draft was like 200,000 words, which is way <laughs> too big. So I knew that her story was going to have to be told in at least two books. It turned out to be three, but... Uh, because a lot of people wanted to know more about Grandma Faith and, and some other things in the book about with some of the other characters. But the second book, I the, the only thing I hoped for for the second book would that it wouldn't be a bridge to the third book. And I felt like almost that's kind of what I did. It's like, okay, here's this middle book, and Virginia Kate does this, that, and the other, and it just kind of, it, I don't think it had as much heart and soul as Tender Graces. I know, and I know authors aren't supposed to say that about their books, but I'm saying it anyway. I don't think it had as much heart and soul in it as my first book and the last, the last of the trilogy, because it felt like that middle child, you know, that 
that stepchild that kind of comes wandering in and nobody really you know, knows about it. <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah, you know, uh, we already ate all the supper and you got to go eat scraps or something. <laughs> but I have had a lot of mail on that book that people, some people find it their favorite. So that kind of, that gave me hope that I did my job after all, because that's, that's what an author wants to know, that, that they did their job, they showed up, they made their readers happy, and that they're loved and adored by millions. No. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, it, it, the second book was difficult because I also wrote it when my brother and my stepfather were in the hospital, uh, had had heart attacks, and it was a it was a tough time. And and I realize now when those things happen, you should ask for an extension. And, and but I really feel like I gave that book is how it's supposed to be, what it's supposed to be, and no matter what the circumstances, Secret Graces is the book it's supposed to be. It just kind of lies there in the middle of these two more powerful books, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's a, a work of fiction, but it could really be an autobiography, for, you know, for somebody. And so there's probably parts maybe of you in, in this book. I'm sure people ask you that all the time, but, but – and, and I don't want to be repetitive in asking that question, but the thing is this book is so real that you're just thinking this has to be somebody's story because it's so in-depth and so personal, and you just really captured everything that she would be thinking that you don't, wouldn't even think you could think unless you experienced something like that. And um, it was, like I said, it was just really beautifully, beautifully written. I cried at, at the end of Tender Graces because... Woo-hoo. And I don't want to give too too much away from it, but and I'm not really a big crier at all, especially at, at you know in books because you know I could wrap my brain around oh, this is pretend. Um, but when her brothers came back and to West Virginia and they kind of surprised her, I'm not going to give the whole thing, but it was just a beautiful moment. I felt like I was really there with her in that. I was so happy for her in that in that moment. It just felt very real to me. And so um, when you're writing this book, are you know, are, are you living those moments? Is it emotional for you as you're going through that with her? Well, dang, you just made me feel awfully awesome. So <laughs> I sound like I did my job. But, uh, you know, I, I will tell you, I do become very emotionally involved with my characters, so much so I just call it the crazies because I will – especially with some characters i've become so involved with them that it's they become a part of me they walk around with me they're always in my head the conversations are going in in my head and it i will sometimes just start blurting out things and my husband will go um are you talking to me or <laughs> it becomes very obsessive and very crazy and i've learned to accept my processes and let it go but you know, I mean, Virginia Kate is a made-up character, but I will say the so the one thing that uh, the the thrust of the thing that is true is my I am I was born in West Virginia, and my biological mother did uh, uh, I guess I'll use the word give up her three children to my father and my stepmother who who you know adopted us. But so when we left one at a time, my oldest brother Michael. Um, and then me, and then my youngest brother Johnny. Sometime later, 
So I kind of thought that was interesting, and that was how the story started. It was just this thing of, oh, you know, these kids, they were there, and they were giving up one at a time, and, you know, boy, that must have been, you know, I started seeing her as not me but as this separate person, like, well, let me write about this, but from a different angle, a, a whole different uh, life, you know, like rewriting a, uh, someone else's history, but with that that mm-hmm. one basic thing of loss and and loss of who you are and uh, the the belong, you know, there's a sense of belonging and and unbelonging and place, and I was so interested in that. But Virginia Kate, you know, is the made up character. My character, my biological mother, uh, is not Katie Ivine and. You know, uh, I, I know she'd be glad to hear that if she read the book. <laughs> She's probably, you know, but she wasn't an alcoholic, and you know, my father was, but he uh, he was sober for you know fifty something years. So it was all uh, it was all made up, and so it sounds like I really did my job. But I do become very emotionally attached. Yes, it's very hard when I write the end and I have to let them go and send it off to my editor. I I do uh, I go through like a almost a grief process. It's it's very weird. <laughs> mm-hmm. Very mm-hmm. discombobulating, so <laughs> Well, you know, and a lot of times it's hard for the reader to even give up, you know, the books um they they will want more because I would imagine just, just like how the author is is sad to see them go, the reader often um is sad, you know, when when, when the book ends because they've become so. attached but to just to let kind of people know a little bit, so so the the story takes place in West Virginia, and it's about it, it's done from Virginia Kate's point of view, and she has an older brother, a younger brother. Her parents are originally start out very much in love, and but living in you know um, young, they're they're a young couple, and and the mother is beautiful, and you can just kind of see her. She, she's you know should have been a star maybe, you know she's she. Uh, um had had thoughts of you know glamour in she was young you know and a lot of us yeah. have had that and and so she has but she's a mother and a stay at home mother and she's raising these children and um the parents grow apart and so the father moves to louisiana and one by one the mother gives the children to this to the dad and, but there's so much more than that and and at the end, you can really understand her mother more. You can really understand her father. Um, they never really stopped loving each other, and that what I thought was very sweet. It's just they couldn't. You know, people can understand that. You did. You know, you can't be with that person, but you don't stop right. loving them. Um, and and there were points about them that they. Um, you know, carried with them forever about that other about that other person. Not only did they have children together, but but they had really a a, a real love for one another. It just it just couldn't have been. You know, there's a lot of things that go on in the book that are really emotional. And so you had to write, and and maybe you you kind of have to judge these characters as you're writing them you know these these would yeah. be people that maybe we would judge in real life but when you're telling their story and you're kind of releasing them we're able to see where these things are coming from and you start having empathy for these people and you find compassion for them 
It's beautifully, beautifully laid out. Did that help you with your own mother and and your own story? Could could you maybe? That's a that's a good question because uh, I mean I'm listening to you and I'm, to you and I'm thinking well. I didn't want stock characters, but you can't help but there's going to be cliches and there's going to be things you write that because they're real. Cliches come because they're real. So there's the beautiful mother and the you know the the alcoholism and the, these two people. Uh, the father and the mother, Katie Avine, was so and Frederick were so explosive. It was mm-hmm. not only that love, but they their passion. Sometimes those same, two people like that come together. And it's just it's just never going to work because they they're both uh, just coming from it's like two comets you know colliding. Mm-hmm. But uh, mm-hmm. as I wrote the book in earlier drafts, I found that some of my own things were coming out you know with my mother, my stepmother who adopted me, and uh, things like that were coming out in the draft, the first draft, a lot. And I I did work to, through some things. You know, I don't hold any ill will towards my biological mother because she did the best she could. I mean, this was this was in the you know 60s, so it, things were different then. You know, the, it was much harder for a single mother, and it, it she did the best she could. So, and I came to a lot of those realizations and and through that first draft, and then I ripped all that out. Everything that was about me. I ripped out and everything that was about my biological mother and step whatever and ripped that out and let Virginia Kate tell her that's why I had to put it in first person cuz she needed to tell that story herself. And I think that the very last book, The Family Graces book what I I love the best is it's written even though it's from Virginia Kate's point of view throughout, she also lets the other characters talk to her. So we really really get more of a sense of who Katie Iveen was who Rebecca is, and it uh, allows their voices to come out more, so they could be, you know, their own people. But I, I think reading over it, sometimes I'll catch a little glimpse of something, and I'll think, hmm, I wonder if that's an issue, something that I have thought about or struggled about with with my life. And you can't help but do that in your book. If if anybody write, it doesn't matter if I wrote horror and everybody was going around stabbing everybody bloody there would be something in it that was a part of that author who's writing that. If if I was writing that kind of book, there would still be things that came out that would be a part of me. You can't help mm-hmm. but put yourself into your books and to some degree or else, I, I don't know, I don't. at least that's how it is for me. So, yeah, yeah. I think well, it, – no, go ahead. It, I think it, I worked it, through it, some it, things, well, but – No, I think it really comes through as, as feeling natural and – and and truthful. I mean, you you could really see that this was it. It's it's not just a Hollywood happy ending story. I mean, it's it's life for these people, and and we all go through life. And um, sometimes it's good, and sometimes it's not so good, and sometimes it's great, and sometimes it's horrible, and, and it's all those things. And that's what you know. Somebody said one time. Life is sometimes it's magic and sometimes it's tragic, but at the end of the day, it's it's all wonderful, you know. And that's kind of what the book I felt captured. It was just and 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 Virginia Kate grows. I mean, you know, she, a lot of times she sees things as a child would see them, and then she sees things as a as a teenager would see them, and then she sees things from an adult perspective. 
but uh, talking about Rebecca, she was also a fascinating character, the stepmother taking on these children, who wasn't a wicked stepmother. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to do that. I did not want to do the, the wicked stepmother because I just, at first, and first, again, in those first drafts, Rebecca wasn't, uh, was a little different. And I and it just it wasn't feeling right. And I began to think about this woman a lot, and just how she took on these kids and took on this husband Frederick, who is just sometimes can be a kind of a piece of work. But uh, she, it, her character, and, and that's why I loved exploring her in the final book because it 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 more shows some of the struggles that she had. Everybody's thinking, oh, she's so perfect. But she wasn't. She creates this perfect little world around her because she can't deal with all the things that are going on inside of her. As long as she keeps everything perfect, then her life is good. If she keeps her family perfect, she adopts these children, and and she treats them well. She does. She's beautiful. I love the interaction between her and the children. It's just she's just she is a beautiful person, but she has her own angst and and problems and stuff that happened to her when she was a kid and it the only way she can control uh you know not feel she's out of control is by making that perfect family and that perfect life so she comes across as this sweet perfect rebecca but inside there's a little bit of a storm and a fire in there and i i i really like that character i i could have done I could have written a whole book just on Katie Iveen and Rebecca just just those two characters cuz put them count, point and counterpoint kind of together I really had thought about doing that because they're both really are fascinating characters so mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. out of control yeah, as, you know <laughs> uh, Katie Iveen is uh Rebecca tries oh. to keep that control yeah definitely in fact I was going to say each one of the characters could be a story in themselves, you know, the older brother and him going off and being an artist and, and the younger, we has two younger siblings, uh, but both of them, you know, are fascinating in their own right. And her father, you know, he, he really has his own cross to bear, so to speak, you know, and a little bit of that comes out at the end of the first book, you know, he kind of says a, a few things and, and then you, you, you have compassion for him, you know, and, um, and uh, each each one, I mean, this could really, has anyone asked you for the rights to this? Is, is this being sold? Could this totally be a movie, a miniseries, a TV show, something? <laughs> I get that a lot, and I don't know, you know, uh, or people will say, this felt like a movie while I was reading it, mm-hmm. you know. And I thought, I always think they're being nice, but I've heard it so much, uh, you know, and it really does make me think I, I did my job well with this book if if it's creating such strong Images in people's heads that they and that they identify with these characters so well that they could imagine it a movie. As far as anybody asking, I I don't know. My publishers know more about those kind of things, you know, Bell Bridge books does than I do. But seems like something was said one time and I don't remember. But those things, if they, you know, even if they're explored, take forever and forever and forever unless you're like a you know, an author that really comes out of the shoot like a Fifty Shades of Grey kind of thing or something mm-hmm. that's, mm-hmm. you know, so huge that it can't be contained and it and it just must be put into a movie. For books like mine that are, uh, you know, not mega stars, it, it's a, it would be a much more difficult process to have it 
uh, be made into a movie or something like that. But you know that I, I guess that would be awesome. I think a part of me would be so afraid to see my you know what they would do with it. But I wouldn't uh, you know I would I don't think it would be something I'd say no to. But you know uh, I don't know uh, that's that's flattering. Uh, you know it's flattering to hear it and you know and you just. Uh, whether it would ever happen or not, shoot, I don't know, you know. <laughs> so. Well, it, 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 it should because so many Americans, even if they're not living in the South, have connections to the South. It's like me, here I am up in the Pacific Northwest, but my family hails from, from East Tennessee. Oh. So there's, there, there's that connection, you know, and, and you're always being drawn back to your Southern roots, so to speak. And, so I could really connect, even though it really wasn't my family story. There, there was this this soulful connection to the the people, and I could understand where they were coming from because I'd heard stories. I I knew people, maybe not exactly like that, but sort of like that. Or, or or there would be different things that they would hit on, or the neighbor next door, or something like that. And I could really insert characters of my own family in. <laughs> It in there, you know. So I I think that it's especially in the United States and and probably even around the world because so many people are fascinated with the United States and especially Southern living that that people could it's a very relatable um, story with with as, as many ties that the people have to 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 Southern heritage. Yeah, I found it kind of funny. It's uh, that one of the, the first foreign rights my publisher sold was to the Russians. <laughs> it, kind of, it kind of makes me laugh. I because I, it, I'm trying to imagine how they would view this, you know, Southern life and all these characters and, uh, you know, how the language. And I, I tend to make up words. I don't do it on purpose. I don't say, well, I'm going to make up this word today and Virginia Kate's going to say blah blah, and it's going to be. It just I won't even realize I made up a word until later on. Somebody will say, you know, or an editor will say, this is not a real word. And I'll say, but that's the word that has to be used. So I try to imagine what kind of Russian words they're going to, you know. So, But I think, uh, I mean, my books are usually about a character pulled from their roots and they are feeling displaced and, you know, they want to get back. But, you know, if people have asked me if I'm a Southern writer, I, I don't know. I mean, I write, you know, that's the part. I do write about what I know, and I've lived, other than a short time I lived in Ohio, I've lived most of my li- life either in the Deep South or in the Mountain South. So it it's just, a, and, and I love it because it's rich with so much in food and language and uh, supernatural things and just, uh, um I don't know. It, it's to me, it's the most fun to write because you have so much you can play with in characters. It's just like Meemaw. I, well, actually, Meemaw really did take a lot after my own Momaw. Momaw, my Momaw was absolutely dango crazy. That one <laughs> bless her soul. <laughs> so yeah, but I had fun. Uh, I have fun with it. I I really do. I I don't know how to write any other way because. It's who I am. I mean, I don't know if I could write a gritty, you know, New York novel. Um, I've written, right. you know, I can pull, I put somebody in New York, but they would have their roots and their, 
southernness around them that they would never be able to escape from, and they would eventually have to go back. So, mm-hmm. well, I think that's your success. You know, write what you know because you do it so beautifully. Um, it's 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 just like the people are real. I mean, they're really leaping off the page, like like they are. You could just go down and knock on their door and and you know have some tea with them or something. I mean, it, it just seems like. <laughs> In fact, you know, for for a minute, my mind wandered to her brother. I'm thinking, I should Google him and 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 look for his <laughs> art. And I'm like, oh, that's he, real. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that that is awesome. I, mean, <laughs> I think that's really awesome because, uh, yeah, I, I <laughs> uh, you know, I ought to Google and just say, man, I wonder if there, no, that, uh, <laughs> I, you know, Micah. Is a really fascinating character. He and I kind of loosely based him on my other brother, my older brother, brother Michael, because my older oldest brother has all these gifts and talents. He's like, he's he's a musician. He can paint. He does this. He does that. The other. He's always been exceptionally brilliant. And with brilliance comes a little bit of you know the other side. You know uh, where you. He's, if he's listening to this, he's probably saying, don't you be saying too much. <laughs> but I, I always found my oldest brother so fascinating that he couldn't help but slip some into Mike. I mean, they're not the same characters, mm-hmm. but there is a lot of Micah in my brother or the other way around. But, uh, to you know, to hear you say that about my characters just really warms my heart. It does because you put your stuff out there and you just worry and, worry and worry and you know you think you know the the worst thing i could think of is disappointing readers you know i I know not everybody's going to love my books that's not how it works but the ones who have loved my writing or or loved one book if i would ever think that they were disappointed or they thought oh these characters are stock or oh this book is you know these characters aren't real or that would break my heart so Mm -hmm. it's the thing of you you just you I I just feel like if you write what's the truth and that doesn't mean right. you know writing what you know and writing from truth doesn't mean that you have to write your own life but you write from what's really down deep in your gut and in the experiences you've had and the experiences your friends and families have had or um, whatever is it's just from this gut place where whatever you're writing is the truth and you don't sanitize it and you don't try to to force it into something to to please your readers. You you keep your reader in mind and you think I hope they love it, I hope they love it. Oh please, please, please God let them love it. But you don't write, well, I'm going to write this because I think this will please my reader. That's I think where you lose the magic or whatever right. it is that, you know, makes the characters come alive. You have to write from the truth and and from that gut place in you or else it's just going to come out still at least for me. You know, every writer has their own thing, you know. And my thing <laughs> is to sit down and let, you know, vomit all these words out and and then let the characters just become who they are without me not – I don't insert my will onto them. So I guess mm-hmm. that's how right. it is. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, no, no, you, you, you just let them come through the way they are. Have you always been a writer? <laughs> okay, I had to laugh. I'm laughing because sometimes when people <laughs> – 
<laughs> Sometimes when I'll hear other writers, like people say, have, you know, have you always been a writer? Blah, blah, blah. And they'll say, yeah, since I came out of the womb, I, I was, you know, I held a pen and pad, and you know, I was writing, you know, well, between sips from my baby bottle. But I was a reader first. I adore books, and I adored them. And I, all I, I just soaked up so many books. That was just my escape from from the world or whatever. I read so much. Now, my mother says that I talked about being a writer early on, and I, I do know I I won a short story contest like in uh, middle school, well, they call it, uh, whatever it was called then, but I guess it's middle school now. And I wrote something one time, which is why I don't write horror anywhere. I wrote I wrote something so terrifying one time that the school actually called my parents all concerned. <laughs> <laughs> for my sanity, so that's why I don't write hard because it, I got too intense. But I don't recall, you know, I don't recall the moment. It was like I never believed in myself in that regard. Like as a writer, I never thought, you know, I just guess I never thought I could do it, mm-hmm. or it just never seemed like something that would be what I would be doing. I thought, well, I have to, you know, have a job, make money, and then then I raised my son and. You know, and this happened, and life happened, and I did this, that, and the other. And the only reason I have novels out today, I think, is one because of Angie Ledbetter, and two because two uh, instructors that this, uh, when I was going to LSU taking some classes said, if you don't did the same thing Angie did, if you do not write novels, you're an idiot. You, you're wasting time and you're wasting your talents. So I'm in my 40s before I even go, oh, duh, I'm supposed to be. <laughs> maybe I have something that, you know, maybe I have a little bit of a gift and, and and maybe I ought to explore it. So, But it wasn't this thing of I knew I was going to be a writer and write books from the time I, you know, toddled off to, you know, from my mom. I mean, mm-hmm. it was just, it just wasn't, it was all about books. And I think that's important, though. Well, you you must have had a good imagination. So as a reader and reading all those books, you could probably let your imagination fill in those stories as as you were reading them. And I I think that makes for a good writer. I don't know. People say, you know, you have a good imagination. And I always think I don't. But I always think because I'm I'm often discombobulated, I'm I'm (laughs) okay. When I go out, people, writers will tell me how observant they are, that they see this and they see that. I don't, all I see when I go out is a whole lot of swirly stuff that gets sucked up in this black hole in my brain. I am completely overwhelmed, and I'm like, I don't see any little, I don't remember things, I don't remember names or faces, or I don't remember it, but I might remember one little tick or one little thing about them so tiny that, it stays with me. Maybe something they, one little thing they said, or you know how they walked, or something like that, and that kind of snaps in my brain like a little, like a camera shot, and gets stuck down in that black hole. So when I sit down to write, I just go into like a little, I don't want to say trance. It's not like that, but kind of, and the black hole opens up, and all this stuff comes pouring out, and I don't even know where it's coming from. <laughs> I don't even think about it. I don't write outlines. I don't think about what I'm writing. I don't I don't feel like I have this imagination that people think I have. I feel like I'm just just this 
vessel that soaks up stuff out there without even realizing what I'm soaking up, and then it just kind of processes in some kind of way and, and kind of bloops onto the page. <laughs> so I, know, I don't know. I don't well, do you remember crazy. all of that, or, or or do you write them down on little scraps of paper and refer back to them, or, or is it, you know, what does that look like? Oh, God, I find little scraps of paper. I really don't write stuff down. I'm so terrible. I, I don't write – but when I do, like, if I think, oh, my God, this is so brilliant, I must write this <laughs> down immediately, and I'll scribble it on some piece of paper, and stick it in my pocket or a purse or whatever, and then about, you know, a year later, I'll be going, what the hell is this? Oh, I just said, I'm sorry. But I said, what the heck is this? And I'll pull it out, and I can't even read it, and I'll, or if I do read it, I'll say, this is total C-R-A-P. Why <laughs> did I think this was so brilliant? So I decided that if I write it down, it's either it immediately becomes obsolete. So what happens is if I'm walking around and you know, and I'm thinking, oh my God, I'm having this brilliant thought, I or this would be really great. I'll say no, don't think it because if you think it, it's gonna you know you're gonna lose it. It's gonna come out all you know you're either gonna forget it or you're gonna write it down and it's gonna be gobbledygook. So I just wait and. When I sit down at the computer, I let it all come out then because there's just scraps of paper. I just got sick of cleaning out scraps of paper in my pocket and <laughs> purse, and, yeah, it was a mess. So I'm kind of a mess. Well, <laughs> are, are, are you superstitious then at all? Because that when you were saying that reminded me of my southern family, and they were very superstitious. Um, we were always, you know, for black cat, a ladder, the salt over your shoulder. I mean, there was always stuff, I, and that was it was really sewn into my life with superstition. And when you said that, it <clears throat> jogged my memory back to that about the, if if you you know write it down or you know something, then then you'll lose it. But are are, are you also superstitious? I'm kind of an anti-superstitious. I mean, superstitious, <laughs> whatever you call, because it. it's like. Like, oh, I love Friday the 13th, or let me walk under this ladder, yeah, yeah. You know, it's almost like I want to thumb my nose at it. It's like, oh, pleh. you know, but I know that the South is kind of known for having, you know, all these superstitions and all these things we do. But so, but I think I'm just so completely weird that, uh, you know, normal laws of the universe don't really, mm-hmm. don't really uh, affect me or apply always. So, I don't I don't consider myself superstitious, but I do have things that uh you know, like don't write that down and things like that that are my own personal little things, you know, that oh if you don't you know, if you don't do this that this might happen or you know, go in a hotel room and I have to check, you know, every little corner there might be maniacs in there, you know, so I have to like <laughs> check things for maniac. The smallest little space I think's gonna hold a maniac. Now, if you open up a little cabinet that a small child cannot fit in, there is no maniac in there, but I have maybe I'm more suspicious, superstitious than I thought. I don't know. So, yeah, I don't know. Well, I tell you, I have knocked on more wood from one side of this country to the other than I, 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 maybe, maybe most most people have, but... I just can't let it go, you know, when someone I, – I always find myself ending a sentence, well, I'll knock wood. In fact, I'll knock wood while I'm here just to be extra extra careful. <laughs> if I thought that worked, I probably would not go – that's my thing. I get cynical about stuff. I'll be like, ah, oh, 
yeah, knock on wood, and yeah, why? You know, I'll start like questioning. <laughs> I question too much. So if there's a superstition, I'm going to go, ah, yeah, but you know, I cross the black cat cross my path, and nothing happened ten times, and just because something happens one time, you know, and I'll start analyzing it. But then I'll go and do the craziest stuff that makes absolutely no sense at all and isn't even consistent, and that's my personal superstition, I guess. So. Well, that's the rebel in you. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you feel like you're successful? Oh, that's a weird question because, okay, one day my son, Daniel, said, when I was going, me, me, about something with my books, you know, I wish I was this or that or the other. And he was like, Mom, do you even remember when you, all you wanted was your book to be published? One book, and you didn't care whether it sold, you didn't care this, that, or the other. You just wanted it to be published so you could hold it in your hand, blah, blah. And he said, and do you also realize how many writers that would, who would kill to be in your position right now, just like you would have killed to be in your own position. You know, he was telling me all this. And uh, mm-hmm. I was like, you know, he's right. I'm whining. and, and uh, So in the way that I've written the books I've written, I mean, this the one coming at the Lightning term that's coming out uh, in October will be my sixth work with uh, Bellbridge Books. In that way, I do, I feel successful that I wrote these books. I did it. I sat down and I spent all this time with these characters and words and the language and I created these things and it's so exciting and that makes me feel successful. But when I do the comparison game that so many writers and so many people do, I the success starts to drain out and I'll begin to think, yeah, but I haven't made a New York Times list or I haven't, you know, won this award or I haven't da 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 you know. And I have that's a slippery slope that I, I try not to to get into. But it it's I think I think success is such a a weird kind of word because it's exponential to to how where you know you you start out thinking yay I'm successful because my book is published but I got to go do this and you do that and well yay I'm successful I did that and then it's the next thing and it never ends it's like this ladder up into the heavens that never ends you mm-hmm. keep climbing and you never reach the daggum top <laughs> so exactly. it's kind of yeah. a weird word success I, right. I don't I feel it sometime and then other times I I feel like I failed and um you know and I and I want to go drink vodka and eat chocolate and sit on the couch and cry and, you know, whine and moan. <laughs> yeah, that's, you know, it's the humanness of you, um, and, and we're all human. And you know, I was just talking about that with, you know, with, with my parents. Um, this week we were all over on Whidbey Island, and, and we were talking about, you know, success, you know, and how there's always – just just like you're saying, kind of that ladder to nowhere. And and it's really hard to remind yourself. You, you kind of have to keep reminding yourself about your accomplishments and what you've done and and, and, and be happy. But it's it's almost anti human to be like that. Because <laughs> it's 
<laughs> it's, it's not in our DNA or something. We're always pushing ourselves. Um, and, and it is nice when, like like you said, your son Daniel reminds you or, or somebody reminds me or I remind someone else. And, and you can take a step back and, and look at your journey and see really how far you've come because it's, it's really that, that does slip away really easy just with a day-to-day living experience. Well, it does. I mean, I I look at uh, when you were talking, I, I had this sudden uh, pictures of my two other brothers, uh, Tommy and Johnny, flash in my head. We lost David uh, years ago, but they uh, both own their own businesses. And, uh, you know, we got into this discussion one time about what makes us feel su- successful, just like you did with your family. And one of my brothers, um, Johnny, his business, I mean, he took over this failing bankrupt business and built it into this like million dollar business and then he went into the housing uh building you know and that's when the bottom dropped out so suddenly here's this man that he didn't even finish high school i mean he took this bankrupt business and built it up to these millions of dollars and then he takes this he sells it and does this other business and it goes and then everything goes south and suddenly I'm not successful. I, I, you know, ugh, I'm nothing. <laughs> and I'm pointing at him, going, "Look at what you, you know, you. The next thing will come because you did this thing." But it, you know, my brother Tommy, small business, he's doing very, very well, and I, he feels successful, but on such he, he on such a uh, different scale. It's almost like I look at him when I'm when I'm feeling really bad about not feeling successful. I call up Tommy because he puts everything into perspective. He's his business. <laughs> he makes friends, and you know everything is done in a way where he's not expected to climb all the way up that ladder. If he does, it'd be great. But if he doesn't, he feels successful in what he's done already. I, I think it's just. I don't know if it's how we internalize our world, just ourselves, you know, each individual person, but I want to be that, you know, I would like to be able to say, well, I feel really successful, and now I'm going to sit down and and, and just soak that up, but I, I am too uh, competitive and too uh, mm-hmm. worried and, and want too much, you know, uh, there's a lot of wanting there, so yeah. <laughs> I think I just rambled <laughs> off into some like no, you know that's it, it, again it, it's just it's part of the the the, the human experience because it, it is you're right you know you have you know some competitiveness you know we all have that that kicks in a little bit some people are natural storytellers and that's that's really what I love about writers is that there's so many stories out there there's so many stories to be told and everybody would like their story told, even if it's part fiction, part real, you know, and writers can find those things. Just like you're saying, you will see some quirky little thing and you'll put it in the back of your mind and then you'll weave it into some maybe fictional story, but really that's a part of something and someone has lived on through that little piece of information you picked up and tucked away. It was important enough to you having that it might not even have been um, an interaction that they even realized that they were having, but you were able to um, pick that up 
and put it out back into the universe, as, you know, as, as something that, that will live on for, for quite a, a long, long time. It's very, it's a, it's a real gift. Well, I sometimes wonder if people read my books and try to find themselves in it. And I, you know, and I always tell them don't, you know, it, you probably won't unless you, you really just identify with, a, you know, a character enough, but... I, because I don't set out to write about, you know, a, a, except for Meemaw, I don't set out to mm-hmm. take a character and make them, you know, from someone I know. It just organically happens. But I do really want, it would be nice sometime if there was a little quirk or a little something I I saw from some stranger out there to write them one day and say, you know, this character that's doing this little weird thing with their hands, uh, that's you. I got that from you. And then, you know, yeah. but then they'd probably, like, sue me or something. <laughs> For rights, you know, they want 5% or so. I don't know. <laughs> no, you know, it just, uh, it's it, it, it's really amazing to be in touch with, with humanity, though. And even though you're not maybe feeling like you are, you're just seeing them as these energies or, or little blurps that come in. I mean, you really are in touch on another level, these little things that are going on that maybe people are missing on a day-to-day level because we are so busy. But every now and then people pick up little nuggets and you pick them up and you're able to to, to, to write with them. I, I just think it's amazing and it certainly shows in your work because your work comes through as just, so beautifully written, so real, so touching. It doesn't feel um, there's nothing fake about it. It's just it's very identifiable. I, I guess is the word. It, it's 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 something that you can relate to on a on a human emotional level, even though you haven't experienced that. The emotion is familiar. I, I guess is. I'm gonna have to get a dang old wheelbarrow to. Haul my head around in it after this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, good dog. I didn't even know I was this good of a rider. Woohoo! <laughs> I mean, my head's starting to kind of lift to the side. Is getting heavy. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime you're not feeling successful, just just call me up because you really nailed it in these books. And so I, I I wanted you to tell everyone about your next book that is coming out in October. Uh, before I let you go, though, because you, you do. Have have a, a new book coming out? I do, and it's a little bit different. So, you know, I oh God, I lost so much weight and pulled out so much hair with this book because I wanted to try something a little different. And quick, it it it, it does have the the theme of the you know a woman. This is a younger woman. She's uh, about thirty, who leaves the mountains and goes to New York, and you know she's trying to escape something. And I, of course, have to pull her back because that's. That's sort of a thing, you know, that I do with all the characters. They got, they got, they have to come back. They're usually lonely, and they usually have to go back to somewhere to resolve something. So she, it is a supernatural kind of magical realism, supernatural with a teeny bit of my publishers call it like a romancy kind of thing, but it's not really a romance. It, uh, it has sex in it and rage and rageful sex and yeah, it's. But she goes back home and. Uh, because she's pulled there supernaturally, kind of, and there, uh, there's uh, the, the counter character is Aaron, who is from this lost tribe of these lightning charmers. He can uh, do things with lightning. So when they do meet up, 
uh, well, I can't, you know, it's things happen. So uh, it's kind of a, you know what? The worst thing in the world is to ask a writer what they're talking about. <laughs> we have no idea. There's some polished writers that can go, well, you know, and they bloop out this stuff. When people ask me what my looks are about, I ramble this stuff that makes absolutely no sense at all, and I should have written something down, and I told myself to do that, but, but I didn't. But it, but it's, it's this supernatural tale of these two characters that uh, uh, who are trying to, con- you know, find love and home and belonging. Just it, In some ways, it's just like my other books. In the ways it's not, is this has a strong supernatural element to it, and it does have some romance in it, and it does have more sex in it. And I, In fact, I had to pull – I had so much fun writing the – yeah, I had to pull that out. It was – I was going way too far. With, <laughs> and my editor was like, uh, you need to remove some of these, you know, it's getting the – yeah, but uh, I, I had a lot of fun writing it, and I think I'd like to write more books with a strong supernatural bent like that. So, but yeah, it's it's the Lightning Charmer, and that title pretty much uh, says what the book, the book, the thrust of the book is going to be, I guess. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I can't wait to read it because I really can identify with your style of writing. It's just very you you don't really sugarcoat anything. You just let the characters speak and what they have to tell is always important and there's a there's a connection in what they have to tell. Even if you haven't lived that story, you might know a piece of that story and it's it, it's just the it, there's just a connection on on a human level and then you've tapped into that and are being able to write that even even through fiction. And I want to tell people they can go to your website. You really keep up with your readers. I mean, you're very interactive. Um, your website is KatherineMcGindy.com. I have we have a link at, at our website, but it's K-A-T-H-R-Y-N-M-A-G-E-N-D-I-E.com. But they can Google you too. Um, don't yeah. Google Mike because he doesn't exist. But you can <laughs> you can Google <laughs> Catherine, and she does exist. And you 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 do interactive book clubs with people through Skype. You're on Facebook. You you're you're very out there and upfront and personal and and connected to to your audience. Which is kind of funny because if I I do it's like online I'm very like woohoo yeah and, and crazy <laughs> but when I meet people in person I'm like hey how's it going <laughs> yeah. and they're looking at me like um where is that person that I but once I get to know you and I'm comfortable with you yeah the crazy comes out but when I first meet people I think they're expecting me to like explode into the room and you know and and I'm more like yeah what's going I'm yeah whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but I am very active on Facebook and all. I try. I mean, I I don't I I I probably miss a lot because it's just hard to keep up with everything. But I do try to. Uh, I love book clubs and you know I always try to honor their requests. I don't really do book signings much anymore. I'm not, for our local uh, Blue Ridge books here. I I usually do, but uh, you know. But everything else, I'm. I just I want to connect. I want to. You know, I don't tout my books. I don't talk about, you know, buy my book kind of thing. It's it's more of a, it's a way for me to be a part of the world without really having to, to leave my rocking chair. <laughs> <laughs> well, you do a well, good job are awesome. at it. My readers are awesome. Distract- 
Well, I don't want to distract you from that job either because you do such a great job. So whatever you're doing, keep, well, because that's a superstitious person in me. Whatever you're doing, don't change it. It's just like whatever Peyton Manning's throwing it, you know, I always tell my husband, don't get off the couch. Whatever we're doing, our our energy is working towards him. And then if if, if something goes wrong, then, of course, I, I blame. We, we did something. If the balls are losing, we it's our fault. But, uh, but that's that's a superstition. So whatever's working, or whatever you're doing is working. So so if it's in a rocking chair and you got to stay on top of that mountain, you stay on top of that mountain. Uh, it's going great. Well, I appreciate you. You you've you've made me smile and and made me you know feel good when I you know because it is a worrisome job. Sometimes you you do worry and obsess a lot, and and I really sincerely sincerely love readers and I want them to feel proud of me and to be happy and to look forward to when a new book comes out and and to not be disappointed I I I really just I don't know what I do without readers I I just uh, I really feel humbled by it all I mean all joking aside it's just humbling experience and it's just and it really is the best job in the world It, it and to make you know to hear you say these things i i hope other people feel that way too because it that that really does make me feel happy so <laughs> well well you know it's just a, a a little bit of giving back to what i feel like you give us through through these books and it's just it was absolutely an honor to to be able to talk with you and have this conversation and and uh, having talked to you through email and then to you know to come on and do this interview with us today it's it's just really the a huge, huge pleasure, and I understand the books even more that you know I've been able to talk with you and um you know i i, I was reading I always like to read the dedications to books and um in tender graces it was dedicated to David and Annabelle and granny and i thought hmm, i wonder wonder who those people are, but I know who David is, yeah, and uh um, yeah and that's our, uh, that's brother. brother. Mm-hmm. and Annabelle is mm-hmm. my husband's uh mother she was wonderful to me she she was just a lovely lovely woman and um uh well i forgot the other oh um granny <laughs> i can't believe granny yeah and granny's granny you know she's uh she's my uh adoptive mother's mother and she's just you know arkansas farm simple but smart and just a lovely lovely person so that and we had lost them all, uh, and I, I wanted to to um, you know give them a a little place there. So absolutely, 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 and it, it just makes those books you know even more. When, when I read that, you know, as soon as you said David, it clicked with me right away, and I'm like, yeah, the book that was, was the horror of, David, of our so. lives is losing David. You, you never want yeah. to lose a mother to lose her son or or child. I can mm-hmm. imagine that, and uh, uh, you know, I only see it from losing my brother, and uh, it's mm-hmm. not something I wish on, of course, on anyone. It, it's you know, we we miss him every day, and it's been since 1994. It never goes away. When people say things heal, really, they they don't. They just you just kind of go on. Learn you know? to, to cope, right? <laughs> but, right. You just yeah. learn a, a survival mechanism, right? Yeah. To, to go on. After. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, it sounds like that you have a good support network in your other brothers, and and like like um, Virginia Kate, she only had brothers, and and you just have brothers, right? Yep, 
I know. I never write. Uh, I don't think I have ever written anything when there's a sister unless the sister is dead. <laughs> I guess because I just don't. I don't know. I, I, uh, and I there's and I never. I rare. A lot of times my characters don't have children or can't have, like Virginia Kate. You know, they don't yeah. or can't have children. Yeah. I don't know what's up with that, but there's certain things that I tend to do over and over again, and who knows why. But yeah, I my characters always have at least one brother. So, and he's usually awesome, like my brothers. So. <laughs> well, that's that, that's great. That's great. Well, you have a great, great day just sitting on top of your mountain and, and writing you. and, and, and living life. Oh, it's absolutely my uh, I'm, my. I'm the one that pleasure. feels honored and privileged, so I, I so much appreciate you spending this time with me. I really, really do. So. Well, this, uh, I'm just going to be smiling the rest of the day. So, and I'm going to keep reading. I'll, I'll be smiling. So you you have a great great day. You too, and thank. You. Oh, and we lost we lost uh, Catherine right there. There's a huge storm going through Seattle right now, and so we we kind of uh, we were able to make it through the interview before before last year. So uh, I want to go out today and thank again um, Catherine McGindy for coming on, and be sure to pick up her books. You can get them on Amazon or Barnes and Noble. And it's Catherine McGindy, M-A-G-E-N-D-I-E. I'm going to go out today with Alvin Fisher. He is a Southern jazz artist, and this is absolutely, absolutely is his album, and this is his Amazing Grace off that album. And you can find him at albumfisherband.com. And thank you to Catherine for coming on today, and have a great day. Thank mm-hmm. you.